and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. My name is Andy Warren. I'm joined by my good pal Stuart Watson. Stuart, it's been a wild week of League One action since we last spoke for one of these. The game has changed somewhat. Um, it probably hasn't impacted your your actual life massively, but in terms of Ipswich Town, it's uh, it's been a pretty seismic week, despite the fact that Town have have done nothing. Yeah, when did we last do one of these? Back end of last week, and we were talking about whether Barnsley beating Sheffield Wednesday was it was a good or a bad thing. I I thought it was a bad thing because I thought Sheffield Wednesday were gone, and there's no way we're going to catch Sheffield Wednesday. And when I did a uh, a look at the run-ins recently, I left Sheffield Wednesday off there uh, because I just thought they weren't a factor in this equation. And then everything's flipped on its head. Um, since we last spoke, we've had Forest Green 1, Sheffield Wednesday nil on the Sunday. Tuesday, Exeter 3, Barnsley 1. And then last night, Cheltenham 2, Sheffield Wednesday 2, in which they had to come from two goals down in the second half to salvage a draw. So um, a set of results that I don't think anyone saw coming. And it's blown it wide open at the top. This is now a four-way race for automatic promotion. This, this is this is going to be absolutely thrilling, isn't it? For a, a mad kind of April with eight eight games crammed into April, one in May. Obviously, it's this, this could be a this could be a sort of a, a title automatic promotion race, playoff race for the ages, couldn't it? Like we've obviously got a horse in the race in Ipswich, but even if you haven't, this is um this is great. Yeah, I mean, all four of those teams could could easily finish in the 90s for points. Don't think that's ever happened before. I don't know. You'd you'd have to go through all the divisions going back quite a long way for for that to happen. It may be the first time that's ever happened. We've got four teams um, really slogging it out at the top of the uh, the top of the table. We've had plenty of twists in this last seven days, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty more twists and turns to come. Uh, over the over April and the start of May. Yeah, absolutely. Town obviously not in action during that time. But just to quickly recap what the table what the table looks like um after all those results. Um Plymouth top sailing at at the top on eighty. Sheffield Wednesday a point behind on seventy nine. They've both played thirty eight games. Ipswich and Barnsley have both played thirty seven. Uh, so a game in hand for both of them. Ipswich four points back from Sheffield Wednesday in second, five points back from Plymouth at the top. Barnsley seven points back from Sheffield Wednesday in second with a game in hand and eight off the top. So are we are we talking about the title being on for Ipswich here? I think we are, aren't we? Like, I don't think we we were talking about Sheffield Wednesday having this wrapped up, not having the league wrapped up and, and maybe two or three teams fighting it out for second. As we sit here heading into a weekend where Town get back in action at Derby, a tough assignment, but they're all going to be tough assignments. Anything's possible from this point, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I can't <laughs> believe I'm I'm saying that. But for, yeah, five points off Plymouth with a game in hand. Yeah, of course, of course, the t- of course the title's now open. It's it's available to probably all of those teams now. Um maybe not Barnsley, but um I can't believe we're sitting here talking about that, Andy. After that Bristol Rovers draw away from home, which now we're looking back saying, 
away from home on a Tuesday night at Bristol Rovers, clean sheet draw wasn't the end of the world in isolation. But at that moment in time, Ipswich were struggling for wins. I can't remember how many wins it was over a prolonged period of time, but we'd worked out they'd been in mid-table form from about November onwards. Top top two looked like it was gone, to be quite honest. And we were looking over the shoulders, maybe nervously at sort of seventh and, and Ipswich, are they going to mess it up? But it's just a reminder to everybody how quick things can turn in a very short period of time. And um, yeah, who knows what's going to happen now? I mean, we're looking at these fixtures, analysing who's got the better games and etc. But Forest Green beating Sheffield Wednesday. You know, that just proves to you that anything can happen. I would never in a million years have predicted that result. They look so bad at Portman Road. We, we were talking the other week about Plymouth at home to Forest Green. That's an absolute that's an absolute gimme. No chance that, that there's going to be any shock in there. Plymouth beat them 2-0, no problem. Um, but if that result can happen, then who knows? Who knows what's going to happen now? Yeah. I think I think I do, I do think that that game is going to serve as a bit of a sort of a, a leveler for every for everybody's thinking now in the final weeks of the season because you can't you can't chalk any of these games up as up as wins now can you um, we'll we'll get the we'll get the fixtures up and have a chat about them in a minute but before we do how how do you think Sheffield Wednesday are feeling right at this at this point two points from twelve for for a Sheffield Wednesday team that until ten days ago. Less than that, just over a week ago, were 23 unbeaten. They've now lost two of their last four. They've taken two points from their last four games. It, it made me. It made me start to think um, a little bit. Slight, a slightly different situation. It made me start to think about those those early Paul Lambert teams that that felt completely unbeatable. Ipswich Town at the start of the season. Then they go to Accrington and get a hit and don't recover from it I think Sheffield Wednesday have probably got more substance to draw upon than those those early Paul Lambert teams but but we know from experience that recovering from a knock when when you kind of feel unbeatable is not automatic is it you don't just lose a game like they did at Barnsley a brilliant game um no shame in that loss but you don't just get back on the horse after it necessarily it's hard to do hmm I think you're right. I think they've got more substance than those kind of early Paul Lambert teams because they're that little bit further into their their journey. But I have kind of sensed throughout this season that there's been that Sheffield Wednesday fans weren't too far from turning. And there was a sense amongst their fan base that what they were achieving was in spite of Darren Moore rather than because of it. Um they haven't looked amazing against Ipswich in both games, to be quite honest, have they? No. Um, but they seem to find a way of keep winning games 1-0. They've got the stamp out, haven't they? It was 1-0, 1-0 so many times. Now, I don't watch them week in, week out, so I don't know whether that was built on real substance or not. But maybe, maybe like we used to talk about Ipswich, they're not even out of second gear. They're not even playing at their best and they, they're still still winning games. That's a good thing. But actually, sometimes it can just be papering over a few cracks. But they're going to be, the pressure is going to be on. I'm sure Hillsborough is going to be a very nervy, anxious place now going into their, their home games going forwards, mm. I'm sure. 
Well, they're, yeah, they're back at home this weekend. They play they play Lincoln. Um, last night, looking at, I kind of flicked flicked on the score, found them one nil down, then two nil down, and you're thinking, hello, hello. But even I, 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 there's a sort of a tinge of disappointment, I guess, that that they found two late goals to to find an equal up. But even just two drop points is huge, isn't it? They hit the post with the last kick of the game, Sheffield Wednesday. So it was very, it was very close to them coming from behind to win that, which would make this feel very different. This conversation mm. today, um, but but um, the swing is just is just wild. Should we get should we get some fixtures up and we'll have a chat through? Yeah. The situation. Like, if I if I'm Sheffield Wednesday though, I'm. There is only so long you can kind of win games one one nil one nil one nil. It's that that's the finest of margins. It can't. It only takes one little thing to go to go wrong for that to kind of tip the other way. But if I'm Sheffield Wednesday, I'm still feeling confident because because of some of the big just the big players that they've got. I've, I I I, don't, I still have a good feeling about them getting sort of going again. Um, yeah, I know what you're but, saying. They've they've got Barry Bannon, they've got Smith up front, they've got Aidan Flint at the back, but they are missing a couple of big players. I've just had a look through, you know, the the drop points of late. They're missing George Byers in midfield and Josh Windass, who've both been out injured for these last four games, in which they've got two points, and they are two massive players. Everyone talks about Barry Bannon at Sheffield Wednesday, but if you speak to Owls fans, they'll tell you that George Byers actually is is probably the man that goes under the radar as being their their star player. And I think he's been a major miss for them. Windass as well. Um, when you're swapping goalkeepers, I think that's always a, a bit of a sign that things aren't going too well. I note that Stockdale came back in for Dawson last night. We've seen it before where Ipswich couldn't make up their mind on goalkeepers and kept swapping them. Um, not sure that that helps particularly. So, um, yeah, maybe a few little red flags there for, for Sheffield Wednesday. It certainly, um, certainly didn't see it coming. But, um, yeah, they've been dragged right back into this, haven't they? David Stockdale, I've never, ever been convinced by him. He spilled one last night, so I wouldn't be surprised if they switched the keeper back again for the next game. He, he kind of, I think it was Cheltenham's second goal was a, a spill at the feet of, ultimately at the feet of Alfie May for the second one. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. And you're right, that's not a good sign. Um, as we said, they're they're back at home to Lincoln um, this, this weekend. Ipswich playing again away at Derby. Barnsley are at home to Morecambe. Uh, Plymouth not playing in League One. Uh, they're at Wembley in the Papa John's Trophy final. So we've got, if you're watching on video, we've got the fixtures up in front of us. If For, for audio listeners, we'll we'll talk about them as we go. Um, nine games left for Ipswich and Barnsley. Eight games left for Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday. Um, what are we thinking when we look at when we look at some of these games, are there any periods that kind of jump out at you uh, for kind of court, like for for and against each of these teams' promotion chances? Uh, some very basic things for and against. Sheffield Wednesday have got one less game than everyone else now. Uh, don't know if that, if you can read anything into that. Plymouth have obviously got the same number of league games, but they've got that game at Wembley on Sunday. Will that work for or against Plymouth? I'm sure there's a lot of emotional energy that's gone into the build-up for for their game on Sunday. However that result goes, um, may affect them one way or another. We shall find out. Um, So, yeah, just seeing those two two gaps visually, looking at 
there. That's that's something that jumps off the page straight away. One less game for Sheffield Wednesday, and mm. Plymouth have got a, a big big day out at Wembley to uh, to factor into things. Yeah, so so the game the the night that Ipswich and Barnsley make up their game in hand on Sheffield Wednesday, they play each other. So that's going to be huge. We know that game was huge, but it's also kind of the game in hand where it gets everybody level going into the two the two the two final games at that point. We've we've spoken for a while about Plymouth, haven't we, who uh, have kind of not been really discussed in the last the last few days, but we know that on paper their run in is is kind of the easier the easier one Shrewsbury the only sort of loose kind of playoff contender team in there but a game that jumps out for me for them is obviously they're at Wembley this weekend but their game away at Exeter a Devon derby um that I, I'd love to be at that game that would um that would be massive Exeter play everybody on this list they've obviously already played um Wednesday um and I've already played Barnsley, so and I've already played Barnsley as well. Sorry, uh, not Sheffield Wednesday, but that would be that would be huge. I, I think that's a, that's kind of a, the biggest the biggest test for them. They've got Exeter away and then Shrewsbury away. Four games at home. They've won seventeen of their nineteen at home. They've got four more at home where they would really want to be taking twelve points from them. Um, but I think Plymouth's Plymouth's bid for this is is going to be built on what they can do away, where they've been a little bit a little bit shaky at times. Yeah, and they've got their next away trip off the back of Wembley and they'll have had a big old gap between league games by the time that that match comes around. They didn't play over the international break, so I think um they'll have had a big gap between league games and then they go to Morecambe, which is a, a long old trip up to Morecambe. Then they've got that Devon derby, so um yeah, looking at their running, you would hope that uh if Ipswich are, are going to catch Plymouth, you would hope that they eat into that margin sooner rather than later looking at looking at Plymouth's uh, last few games mm. well, the, the massive I think the, the the big thing is that we've reached this point of the season now everything that's happened over the last week is not in Ipswich's hands in the truest sense because if if Plymouth and Sheffield Wednesday do what do what they want to do from here Ipswich can't can't really do an awful lot about it. Um, but it is in Ipswich's hands. If Ipswich continue this in, in really impressive run of form they've got from here, they'll be promoted, I think, because there are twists and turns. If Ipswich can avoid ending on the wrong side of them, um, they'll be promoted. But this, Dar- this Derby game's huge because of all the twists and turns, all the shocks, everything that's happened over the last few days, if Town don't kind of come back and get some- something at the very least... Um, from a difficult game at Derby, it's all kind of it's all kind of moot, isn't it? it and it's kind of back to square one again. It, potentially, it is and it, it is and it isn't. I've seen some people say these results over the last week mean nothing if Ipswich don't go and win at Derby on Saturday. Well, they do. They do still mean something because it means that actually there's a little less pressure on Ipswich now going to Derby on Saturday. Had everybody else won, it would have been. Crikey, we need to win this to keep to keep pace. Corsips, which we want them to go there, really capitalise and go and get a win. But I don't think it would be the end of the world if they went to Derby and drew on Saturday. They'd still be bang bang in the mix. Look, they they'll go there to try and win. They're capable of winning. 
They've shown that at Bolton recently. Derby is stuttering big time at the moment. The ambition will be to go there and get three points. Of course it will. But what I'm saying is these results have just maybe lessened what the damage would be if Ipswich were to to drop points, whether it's at Derby on Saturday or whether that comes further down the line. Because as much as I'd like to think Ipswich can go and win their last nine and uh, and go all the way through, realistically, it's it's not going to happen. There will be a, a trip or a stumble or a drop two points here, here or there along the way. So what these other results have done is mean that... Um, that that can happen and and they'll and and they'll still be in it. Well, ho- hopefully as well that the kind of the out- outcome of the last few days it m- might kind of help temper things a little bit if if bad results do do happen. Uh, it's it's kind of in all of our nature, isn't it, to read everything into every result? But let's just remember there's going to be twists and turns here. Um, mm. Town could well not win a derby at the weekend. They could well not win when they I don't know play Port Vale at home. Which is a game Ipswich really should win, but one result's not going to not going to define um, define things at this stage. I, d- I don't think it, I think we we just have to be prepared for twists and turns and, and un- unlikely things to happen. And the last few days has shown us that it can happen. These aren't all winning machines. There aren't four teams there that are going to win out. Um, I, I think Sheffield Wednesday and Plymouth will slip up again, and it. It's just who who slips up the least from this point, isn't it? In, there's plenty of games we talk about in the games where this game's going to be decided by who who makes the biggest the first mistake, and that could that could be how this how this plays out from here. Who holds their nerve and who uh, mm. who can who can limit those who can limit those mistakes and who can limit those those bad nights. Um, I've got a couple of other things jotted down here. That Ips, Ipswich have got four at home, five away. Barnsley have got five at home and, and four away. It's pretty equal for, for the others, but just little marginal things like that. You talked about sort of purely on paper and the fact that we've just talked about that Forest Green result against Sheffield Wednesday, again, kind of throws this argument off a little bit. But Ipswich have, have got by far and away the most games against top eight sides if you break the division down into thirds Ipswich have got four games against sides in the top eight four against the middle eight and only one against sides in the bottom eight um and that includes Cheltenham who are kind of more of a a mid team than a than a bottom side I would I would say um Plymouth don't play anyone in the top eight as you as you mentioned so on paper if you're looking purely at the league table Ipswich have got the toughest fixtures here but the argument, as we've been saying all season, is perhaps Ipswich are better suited to to playing teams that that want to engage them in a game of football, and um, where Ipswich have struggled maybe is against those those teams that that have a low block and, and try and spoil things a little bit. So you, you can flip that argument on its head. Mm-hmm. I, I, for me personally, I, I I feel I don't feel concerned about the strength of Ipswich's schedule. Um, I feel that kind of trusting in in the team, and I, Ipswich feel like the team that are peaking at the right time out of this. Barnsley will feel that way too, in kind of a similar way. They've built their, they've kind of built into the season. Barnsley have um, obviously they had a, a manager change, and and have kind of feel felt their way into the season and, and become strong at this point. Ipswich have had their sort of 
lull in the middle and built their way back into it. I don't look at their schedule and feel and feel daunted about it for Ipswich. There are a couple of games on there that feel very, very tricky. Um, Peterborough and Barnsley away back to back doesn't doesn't feel like the easiest assignment. But then I look at the final two games and Plymouth aside, I would say that Ipswich have the easiest kind of final two games assignment out of out of all of the teams. Town have got Exeter at home, Fleetwood away. Plymouth have got Burton at home, Port Vale away. Sheffield Wednesday go to Shrewsbury and then at home to Derby. Barnsley at MK Dons at home to and then at home to Peterborough. Both Sheffield Wednesday and Barnsley are playing teams that could well be scrapping over sixth place or 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 fifth or something like that on the final day. Uh, whereas Ipswich are at Fleetwood. Yeah, that final day is fascinating. This is increasingly looking like it's going to go down to the final day, one way or another. And as you say, Ipswich at Fleetwood, by no means an easy game at all. They've already taken a point off Ipswich this season um, and have have done so to other sides towards the top end of the table. But yeah, Barnsley at home to Peterborough, Sheffield Wednesday at home to Derby and Plymouth go to Port Vale. so that that could be a real humdinger on that Sunday Sunday lunchtime on on May the seventh. Um, I'm just smiling as we're talking about this because isn't it just great that we've we've got something to be excited about and Ipswich are involved in it. It's been a long time coming something like this, even going back to 2014 2015. Ipswich kind of limped over the line on the final day, needed Darren Bent to miss a penalty, I think, for Derby to to sneak in having lost at, at Blackburn on, on the final day and, mm. and sneaked into sixth. Um, this feels very different. It's, you know, I've, this is my 12th, 13th season covering an Ipswich. And this is, yeah, this is the most exciting run in that, um, that they've been involved in in that time. We're going back a while since we've had anything like this. Well, if uh, the reason it feels good is because we've got so much faith in this Ipswich team, isn't it? Because we're, we're not sitting here thinking about, oh no, Ipswich have, Ipswich are going to blow it. Ipswich always blow. I don't feel like that. I feel I've I I sit here feeling faith in this in this team. We've we've seen it sort of build. We've kind of we've all we all felt it very early that this team was going to be good and was going to do something this season. We were all there when they kind of had their, for want of a better expression, wobbly patch during the middle of the season, and it, and it really does feel sitting here now. That they're coming on strong, and they they are a serious player in this, and I'm. It's going to be an absolute thrill, and you know what? They've also got the best goal difference, Stu, which 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 might which might come down to some to something here. Town have that. That's never been the case before. Town's goal difference is forty one. That's five better than Sheffield Wednesday, fifteen better than than Plymouth, fourteen better than Barnsley. So, all things being equal, Town Town have that that extra point. The tie, the tiebreaker point, um, should that be needed, which um, mm. which feels good to have that in the back pocket. But you have to you have to put yourself in position to use that, though. That that that's not a given. Yeah, I did a little uh, exercise, and this this really doesn't mean anything. But just just for for uh, just for a bit of fun, I looked at what the each of these clubs have got in their last nine slash eight games and then added it onto their total. If they replicate their last nine, eight games over their final nine slash eight games, how many points would they get on and what would we be left with? 
Sheffield Wednesday end up on 93 points and they finish fourth. <laughs> Barns, Barnsley end up on 94 points and they finish third. Ipswich end up on 96 points and go up in second and Plymouth are champions on 99 points. Now, there's no exact science to that. Obviously, who they've played in the last eight, nine doesn't bear any relation to who they've got coming up. But just using the form guide and replicating that for the finale, that gives you an idea. That would that would be four teams finishing in the 90s um, and two of them missing out. Um, that's where we're at. That's what we're looking at. I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this. Um We'll talk about the Derby game in a bit more detail in a bit, but the the fact that the next kind of stop on on that on that journey is at is at Pride Park, a pretty much full Pride Pride Park. I love going there. The atmosphere is always good. Big away following. All of these away ends are going to be sold out. You see people on on social media absolutely like buzzing to have got hold of a stray couple of tickets for the away end at Peterborough. Um, Two two tickets available for Cheltenham. Anyone want them? They're gone in seconds. These every single one of these are the hot ticket. The home games are going to be twenty eights all the way through. Um, it's going to be uh, those Fleetwood tickets will go on sale at some point. That's going to be an incredible scramble um, to try and get hold of them. Um, this is just it's just yeah you're you're right. It's just make it's just something to smile about, isn't it? Yeah, and we have got to, or we keep saying it, it's, we've got to try and enjoy it. There'll be a, a whole lot of anxiety and, and nerves, but you've got, you got to channel that into excitement. These seasons don't come along very often. We've waited a long time for this. I think you're right, it's got to be. This team has earned the faith and trust of us this season. I think McKenna's whole calm demeanour that spreads throughout the entirety of, of the squad and, and the club is something to be proud of as well. And we've got to try and take on a bit of that if we can. Um, like you say, put any kind of setbacks, even if it's one on Saturday, put that into a bit of perspective um, and try to enjoy this and try to uh, to back the team uh, as much as everybody can. Good times. Um, some, what someone's is going just, on here? There's a little box has appeared at the bottom of our screen. Um there seems to be a a man sat on a sofa has appeared. Um, I'm going to bring him in, and he can introduce him himself. In. What are you doing here? Hello, Hello friends. Hello. This is genuinely the highlight of my day. This is the most exciting thing I'm going to do all day today. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd pop in. Andy invited me on, so here I am. How's things? How, how are you, mate? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm really bored, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> really, really bored, which is why this is such a, a highlight for me. Show us your um, leg. Uh, it's Mark. It's Mark, by the way. Yeah. So this you... is basically me. This is basically what I've been doing for the last week. So I've been sat on this sofa, in my lounge, with my leg, like this. Do you like the slippers? Nice. They're my wife's. They're very comfy. They, my my feet have been you. getting cold. Um, and that's basically it. That's what I've been doing all mm. day, every day for. More than a week now. Um, so how, when you ask how I'm how doing, is it? Stu, uh, it's okay. It's okay, Hutchie. I would say um, it would come as no surprise to people who listen to this podcast that I've completely underestimated the uh, the scale and impact of this operation. 
being someone who's regularly fueled by the arrogance of ignorance, um, I <laughs> I kind of expected it to be not quite as bad as it is. Um, as you both know, I was planning to work on the Sunday after the op on the Wednesday. And it wasn't until I spoke to Bloomers, one of the uh, the game day posse who had the same operation about eight weeks ago. He said, mate, you, there's no way you'll be able to work on the Sunday. Um, you generally get at least two weeks off. So, yeah, um, I think I think the toughest thing has been the boredom. I hadn't expected that at all. Like, you can kind of, I knew it was going to be painful, obviously, and you can you can prepare yourself mentally for that, can't you? You're like, right, I'm going to be in pain. We've all had painful injuries, broken bones, whatever. So, okay, that, that pain sucks, but you can kind of mentally prepare for it. But it's just been the sheer boredom of it, boys, just to sit, because you can't move. You're completely helpless. I can't walk unaided. And walking, standing up generally is, is, is painful. So um, all I've been doing for a week is sitting on my sofa with my leg, as you've seen, watching TV. And that sounds great, doesn't it? Oh, I've got so much stuff I can watch on TV. After about half a day of that, you're like, I'm bored now. There's, you know, there's only so much I can watch on TV. There's only so many books I can read. So yeah, it's um, that's been that's been the the real, the real struggle, like the, just the boredom and the frustration at how little I can actually do. I've got two questions. Mm-hmm. One, did you take? Uh, from the buttock. <laughs> I had this chat with Stu. Stu messaged me on the day of the op, and uh, first thing he asked me was, "Where did the uh, the donation come from for the graft?" Now, I said to the surgeon, Stu, I said, "Look, the doctor's told me it's got to come from <laughs> from the gluteus maximus," and he looked at me, just shook his head, and said, "No." I said, "He's got he's got seventeen and a half thousand followers on Twitter." Amateur consultant, he said, "That's that's no good here." Um, so no, it's come from the patella tendon, the graft. Apparently, I've now got screws in my knee, which would be interesting for going through airports and stuff. Um, so that's your first question, Hutchie. What was the second one? Um, talk to me about morphine. <laughs> Morphine's lovely stuff, isn't it? Oh um, yeah. Because you've you've had previous experience with it. When when did you have morphine? Was that when you, you knackered your wrist? Yeah, I broke my I broke my arm quite badly at school. Yeah, got some got some morphine then. Yeah, so good. It's it tastes like drinking sort of sweet water, and it's so sweet, boys. It takes you off into a wibbly wobbly world of your own for four hours or so. Um, but I've stopped taking it. I wanted to come off that as soon as possible, just because. Um, obviously, there's it's quite easy to get. Yeah, I'm um, still on it now, mate. I did that. In, I did, yeah, exactly. I, I did yeah. that when I was 15. That's 20 years ago. <laughs> so That's got, why he I've, doesn't drink beer. He's just addicted. He's just to got morphine. Yeah, I've got. Um, so I've got like half a bottle of morphine left. If anyone's uh, anyone's offering decent price for it, um, street price yours, is pretty high for that right now. Is it okay? Well, yeah. every little helps, doesn't it? Um, I must just say, by the way, I've had loads of messages, public and privately, from the KOA army, and I've really appreciated it. Uh, and especially I must shout out Brad, who got in touch just on the eve of the operation. He's had it done twice, Brad, um, and he was able to kind of answer a lot of my questions. He was spot on with what he told me. Uh, and also I've had uh, a nice message just recently from a guy called Chris Mitchell, who reached out, said a week after the operation, I bet the kind of messages have dried up, but I um, hope you're still doing all right. So it's really nice. It's been really nice. And um, yeah, but I will say, as I say, I completely underestimated the scale of this and how long it's going to take to get back to 
even just being normally mobile, let alone running or kicking a ball or, you know, doing things that I want to do. So um, I think it's going to be up to a year before I can do anything like that again. So It's a while first till you're physio, back on the grass. It's, it's, a re- it's a real long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I will say, though, boys, like, obviously, we talk about people having ACL injuries all the time, don't we? Um, and ACL operations. And it's part of the kind of the vocabulary of sport, isn't it? When we talk about footballers having ACL injuries and ACL ops. And I think often we're guilty, certainly I am, of, of not really thinking about what that involves. And this is really kind of brought home to me just how much of a kind of um, impact on your life that has. Mm. If a footballer has a, an ACL injury, which requires surgery, that has a huge impact, not just on their career, clearly, but like the whole life. You know, if they've got, they've got family, they've got kids, they're going to be immobile for weeks as I am. And then they've got all the impact of trying to fit in the rehab around the, you know, all the kind of family life and everyday stuff that we've all got. So it's been, it's been a real eye-opener for me from that point of view. Um, and for someone like David Norris, who's had four knee surgeries, you think, mm. Jesus, David, that takes a, it, it takes a real like serious amount of mental strength, I would suggest, to go through stuff like that. Um, and you've got obviously all the, the side issues of, of for a, a professional athlete being not in the team environment and kind of feeling sidelined and all that kind of. I feel sidelined, and I'm you know, not in just, the pod environment. Exactly, exactly. You know, I'm not in a, like the working environment, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, you know, I, I'm I'm missing the boys. I'm not doing, you know, what, I wonder what the, you know, what's going on. I'm, I feel so out of the loop, and I'm just in a an environment with the three, you know, three of you and. Um, and everyone else we work with, so it must be it must be very tough mentally. Well, and then you get the people that have like that just come back from it, and then it happens again. Yeah, like ben, ben Morris, it's happened to in the youth team at Ipswich. Blue Wilson in the women's yeah. team. Um, yeah, the psychological blow of that, and the mental strength that's required to to come back from from those sort of setbacks when you're a finely tuned athlete in the peak of your physical condition much like right yourself mark right yeah, here, yeah. That's, uh, to have that all taken away from you is is so cruel isn't it so yeah you're right maybe it provides us all with a bit more perspective when we start writing about injuries next time yeah and that's the other thing they told me i hadn't again i hadn't considered they, they said when they i spoke to the, the consultant after it happened after he'd done the surgery um and they said like right you've got to really take it easy now because there's like a five to ten percent chance of it re-rupturing and i hadn't even considered that that would be a problem mm. so i'm like super like worried about that because obviously i don't want to go through this again and as you say Stu, to for people like blue and and ben who've had it happen twice almost back to back that again the mental strength to kind of get through that as an athlete as someone who relies on that for your living mate next level stuff so it's been mm. a, it's been a real eye and i'm you know i am i've been incredibly humbled by it <laughs> If you like, because I just I'm just completely helpless, boys. Honestly, I, doing anything takes ages. If it wasn't for my wife, who fortunately works at home, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to. I can't carry anything. Just that simple. So I can't make myself a coffee and bring it through to the lounge. That kind of stuff, you know. So yeah, it's um, it's been really boring and frustrating, and that's that's been the most difficult thing. I bet Benson keeps looking at you, thinking, "Why aren't you taking me out?" He doesn't yeah, get it, does he? Yeah, well, he he, like all dogs, he loves the smell of blood as well. 
and he's, he's been very, very <laughs> yeah. interested. Yes, please. He's been very interested in the bandage, which obviously I'm still in the bandage. I don't get my, my clips out till next week in the knee. Next Thursday, I think it is, a week today. Um, so <laughs> that's the other thing, boys. I can't shower. I've not had a shower for more than a week, and it will be another oh, week. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm proper on the nose. I'm having I'm washing myself with a rag, boys, in the morning. A rag on I, a stick. I hop into the uh, into the bathroom and literally just cleanse myself in the key areas. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's not How's great. That going? It's not great. Is that going all right? Do you, it's going are you all right, doing boys. a good job? Uh, well, I think so. Liz hasn't complained too much so far. Um, although I think I want thin ice to be honest, boys, with with Nursey. Um, I think she's getting tired of me quite quickly. Probably should stop ringing the bell when I want something. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I've got some good news, by the way, boys. I've just been in contact with uh, with Manscaped while I've been sitting yep. here waiting to come on. We've we've re-upped. And I think we're going to get some new Weed Whackers. The Weed Whacker 2.0 on the way to us, boys. So uh, we can tell everyone about that because uh, that is a great bit of kit. Mark, I forgot to mention either of our sponsors at the start of the podcast. That's just That's reminded right. me. That's because you're not here. It's because you're not here, mate. I forget. <laughs> I forget to do. I forget to do these things. Good. We can take Manscaped off the blacklist now, then, because uh, weren't very happy with them. No, it's all it's all been resolved around. now. It's all been resolved. Um, we are we are contracted now again until the end of June, and I think four Weedbacker two point are winging their way to Suffolk very shortly, so we can we can demo with those. Stu, I know you said yourself you were very keen to get. a your hands on a weed racker 2.0. I'm struggling big time in the ear department at yeah. the moment, so I'm hoping that that will um, that will sort me out. And it's just demonstrating. You've always it's, got it's... you've always got so many things to hand, Hutchie. Yeah. The little bit of your ear. What's what's that little bit called? Just the little the little small semicircle bit, just on the inside. Do you know the bit I mean? What's that? I know the, I know the bit yeah. you mean. Yeah. I get like just one little rogue hair that just comes just comes back fast every oh, mate, few days. This will sort you out seriously. And if they've upgraded to a, this is a one point I cannot. Oh, mate, can you begin imagine? to imagine what a two point is going to do. But one thing I will say, you do need to replace the blade. The yeah, blade. The blade needs looking after um, now and again. But. Um, mm. Manscaped are getting a nice little ad here, aren't they? For their uh... nice little ad for that. That's what you get when you re up. You get a you get a little um little chat. Maybe maybe the ginger pickle boys need to re up. Exactly. Well. We need some more. We need some more stuff. We need some more, more merch, Tony. If you're listening, Stewie's look googling what. Yeah, look at his little now. Look at his little face. <laughs> the doctor the tra- didn't. He... It's called the Tragus, by the looks of things, oh, or the yeah, Tragus. The, uh, the, old, the, tra- the, old, the tragus. old Tragus. Yeah, the old hairy yeah. Tragus. Mm. Um, but boys, what I've been away, what I've been away, boys. By the way, it's all been going swimmingly, hasn't it? For town, I think, I think town are going to win the league, aren't they? We've just discussed that. Yeah, it's it's um, a lot of things are on the table. This is very exciting. Who would have seen what's happened? I mean, by not playing, town have actually had the better of everything, haven't it? Sometimes, if you stand still, good things can happen around you, and uh, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Because if I said to you now. Town are going to win the league. You wouldn't laugh me out of my quite spacious lounge, would you? You'd be like, "Actually, that's not ridiculous." And what is it? Three or four weeks ago, four wins in fifteen games. We were all genuinely talking about, and it was right at the time. What's gone wrong? 
They might not mm. even make the playoffs here. And now, again, they could well win the league. Football, bloody hell. Who said that? Alex Someone Ferguson. said that. Yeah. He knows. He knows a mm. thing or two. He um, does, doesn't he? Before you arrive, we were going to start talking about the, the Derby game. Do you want to stay? I can do, yeah. It's up to you, mate. Have you have you got anything? Are we keeping you? Have you got anything? <laughs> I've literally, got anything? no, mate. This is, as I say, this is the, actually the highlight of my day. After this, I'll just be sat here for the rest of the day. Have you got a little scratching stick? I remember when I broke <laughs> my leg and it was in plaster. Uh, I had a little, little, little scratching stick. When I got myself sorted in the morning, my wife would go off to work and she'd have to leave me a sandwich and a drink and everything all within reaching distance. But yeah, yeah. just having a little... Little poke down the cast was was necessary from time what, to time. Have what you did you that? find most effective for that, Stu? Just out of interest, because I've tried various things. Uh, I can't remember. It might have been like a knitting needle or something yeah, like that. It's quite a, a long needle. time I've tried, ago. I've tried as hor- hor- horrible as it sounds. I've tried skewers down okay. the old uh, down the old bandage, but I'm also obviously I don't want to disturb the wound, as it were. So no. I don't want anything too sharp. I've not found a, a suitable item yet. When I when I broke my arm, and I wouldn't recommend, I used a ruler, and I. It it got too far down. It got stuck. Oh, I, had to go, no. I, I had to go to the hospital and they had to remove it for me. <laughs> How did they do that? Then you have to take the cast off. Yeah. Well, I, it was quite. Yeah, I got because I the way that I broke my arm meant I had to have it plastered kind of above the elbow to start with, and I was due to get it below the elbow soon after. So they they brought that forward thankfully and removed the right. ruler. But after that, I I then. My second cast in the the second half of the recovery, I got, I got my cast signed by Titus Bramble. Nice. And well, my school he, did, friends. Did he? Was there a message with it, or did he just sign his name? Um, I can't remember. He definitely signed his name though. It was like gauzed. You know, I, it was one of those casts that had to have gauze over the top of it as well. So he signed the gauze. It was uh, nice. Yeah, it was great. Did and he put his squad number? Uh, no, I don't think he was a squad number guy. Num- number nineteen, if you ask him. Um, but he, no, I don't think he did, but my word, that stank when I took that, my arm stuck. Did you, when you broke your legs, you did it stink when the cast came off? Uh, I don't remember it stinking necessarily, but it just, it just looks very withered. You realize yeah. how much muscle mass you you lose. Mm. You're like, you got one, one limb significantly skinnier than the other. Stu, how's your ankle? I heard that you, you injured yourself on the very day that I went in for surgery. Oh, Billy Big Balls here. Yeah, yeah. You keep saying that. I said, <laughs> I said, please don't mention the lack of injuries because you'll give me the kiss of death. It's not been great. I'll be honest. It was, oh, there no. was a day or two when it was, it was pretty purple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll live. I'm in a better place than you. Are you, uh, are you uh, touch and go? Are you on the questionable list for Saturday or? Uh, I went to the driving range last night because I'm off on a golf holiday uh, soon. So I had to check that it was going to stand up to the rigors of that. But um, yeah. Yeah, touch wood, it was all right. Excellent. Good to hear. Shall I, uh, shall I leave you to discuss Derby, it's boys? Yeah, it's up to you, mate. You, you stay if you want. Um... I, well, I don't have any kind of real input. And my, my whole value to this is as a host, and I'm not obviously in the host chair. So if you're going to... Well, okay. If, so, if you want to leave, you will be able, you will at least be able to then listen to the our chat about the Derby game. Exactly. And that'll um, give me something right. to do later on today. Or mate, you can stay and you can come off the screen and you can just sit and watch in the little room, in the, from the in, green in the, room in the little green room like and a little voyeur. Just every now and then and just disagree. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man in the wardrobe just exactly. watching. 
Also, yeah. as as a man who grew up supporting Derby, we, we we can't really, you know, it might be a bit difficult for you to remain remain yeah. objective in this discussion. The Heath Derby, yeah, yeah. Um, but mm, exciting times, isn't it, boys? Sure is. Shall I uh, shall I leave you to it now? Yeah, get I... lost. Come on, you're done. <laughs> 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 nice to see you. See you soon, boys. Take care. Enjoy the rest of the show. Oh, that was nice. It does sound like the idea of sitting on your sofa. What, like, just, ah, just relax. Got, just watch a bit. That does sound great, doesn't it? Yeah. That's that. Yeah, I can imagine that that gets quite, quite boring pretty soon. Yes, it does. He'll be back. He'll be back stronger. Back stronger. Should we talk about Derby before we before we sign up? We talked about the promotion picture in general, um, but obviously Town back in action this weekend against a Derby team that at one point were moving like an absolute train. The train has hit the buffers a little bit in recent weeks, and and it looks like they're they're settling in into a bit of a battle for for a playoff spot with with um, with Bolton, Peterborough, Wickham. Um, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, looking at Derby's form, they were they were flying, weren't they? After after they came and lost at Portman Road on that Friday night in October, they went on a on an epic unbeaten run, went quite far in the FA Cup, eventually lost to West Ham in the FA Cup, but backed that up with a 5-0 win against Morecambe. And come the start of February, they were probably the form side in the division, but since then as you say, they've really hit the buffers. Um, lost at Wickham, 3-2. Lost at Barnsley, 4-1. Lost at Plymouth, 2-1. And they've just lost... Well, they let they let a two-goal lead slip at home against Shrewsbury and they've just lost their last two games. At home to Fleetwood, 2-0. And then last weekend, uh, they lost 2-0 at Peterborough, having dominated the first half by all accounts. Uh, managed to go on and lose the game 2-0. So... You hope that this game has come at a good time for Ipswich. You hope that the international break hasn't seen Town lose a little bit of momentum and Derby be able to regroup it a little bit. But it feels to me a bit like when Ipswich went up to Bolton that maybe this game has come come at a good time for Ipswich. Possibly, hopefully. possibly. Like like you said earlier, we 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 don't watch these teams every week. We're not invested in these teams. But from just from the outside looking in. It looks to me like Paul Warren has gone in and had a very, very positive effect on Derby. Um, turned them into a good League One team, but maybe hasn't had the time and the transfer windows required to make it a Paul Warren Derby team just yet. And I think that will come. Um, but they're very—they're a very thin squad, aren't they? I mean, it's a squad that obviously had to get put together in very difficult circumstances under a transfer embargo, uh, and only being able to kind of cobble together free transfers. And they—they they did that very well last summer and got some some experienced players. But the nature of the players that they were able to get on those free transfers means that it's quite an old squad, or it's certainly got different ends of the spectrum in mm. terms of ages. There's a lot of very experienced players in their 30s and then there's quite a few younger, homegrown players 
coming through, but probably not enough of those players in their peak years. Uh, and maybe maybe that's catching up a little bit. Stephen Schumacher, the Plymouth manager, talked about sort of targeting, you know, that Derby's age meant that they maybe not be able to keep up with the intensity of the high press for 90 minutes. And that's something that they targeted recently. Um, and they haven't got the same strength in depth. You know, the teams that we've talked about, Sheffield Wednesday, Plymouth, Barnsley, Ipswich, I think have got good strength in depth. I think Derby maybe haven't got that same same depth. I mean, McGoldrick, their top goal scorer, has missed a couple of games recently through, I think, hip problems. Um, came back in last weekend, but it's really only him and him and James Collins up front. And if if you start to lose one of them to to a niggle here and there, then they're a little bit thin there. Um, so yeah, that's that's why they're not kind of banging the mix. They've obviously got some some very good players, the likes of Conor Hurahane and and others as well. But um, maybe it's just yeah the the makeup of their squad and the size of their squad that stopped them being in that in that sort of fight for automatics. That's a good point, I think. If you look at Ipswich, they've got people like like Chaplin, Burns, even Broadhead, Burgess, Wolfenden, Danassian are kind of in the kind of twenty four to twenty eight range. Christian Walton, another one in there. That's a really important age range, isn't it? You have to I think you have to have a squad made up of all three kind of brackets. Um town of Town have got that. Um, they've got obviously got people like like Keo and Aluko, even up sort of Morsi over thirty in the in that top end experience bracket, the the middle bracket we've just talked about, and then a bit of bit of youth from from beneath as well in in Humphreys, um, but only having to play the supporting the supporting role. Whereas Derby's Derby's young players are being asked to play um, mm. the key the key player role, and I think they've got a, a few players as well that. On their day, are very very like Tom Barkes and um, Mendes Lang are both players that you can watch one day. I'd put them maybe in the kind of the the carry muzzy carryall bracket where on their day you can watch them and think that these guys are really really good players, but they're also quite inconsistent, um, and, and and that's only going to get you it's only going to get you so far. Um, David Cap- McGoldrick, you go. David McGoldrick. Discuss. Uh, okay. Discussed, yeah. Um, he's only 32 still, you know. I thought he was older. No. I'm going to Google You that. sure? He's th- I thought he was 35. I might have written that down wrong. I'm going to have to correct myself immediately here. He can't be. 35. I lied. Scratch that. He's 35 years of age. Um, But he's got 19 goals, six assists this season. Um. He's just a classy player, isn't he? When he's on 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 song, on his game, um, he's just a, a lovely football player to watch. We don't Ipswich Town fans don't need don't need telling that. It was uh, a shame the way his Ipswich career kind of drifted towards the end. I think he was he didn't really sort of mesh with what with where Ipswich were at as a club. But he's um, he's gone on to do to do very well since leaving Ipswich, hasn't he? And he's uh, and he's doing the business again. Um, this season, did he play in the reverse fixture? I can't remember. He certainly, if he did, uh, he didn't. He didn't have a huge impact. I think he did. It. Yeah, I think he gave away the penalty, didn't he? Oh, of course so, he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did. I only saw the end of the end of McGoldrick. Um, I didn't really see him kind of in his pomp at Ipswich. So I, I think my view of him is like not 
accurate, really. But he's not he's not a Paul Warren striker, I wouldn't say. Um, but he's been very effective under Paul Warren. So it's in, uh, James Collins is a much more kind of Paul Warren kind of striker to me. Um, but it's really interesting that they've managed to get McGoldrick kind of purring in the way that clearly he can. Um, interesting. I'm looking. For, I'm mm. looking forward to seeing that, that we we saw kind of a very a quite early Paul Warren derby, didn't we? Back at back at Portman Road. Um, quite looking forward to seeing what they've got now, and and the kind of the supporting cast behind McGoldrick up top is seems to be kind of ever changing in terms of who starts in the. In the attacking roles, you've got, like we've mentioned, like Barquez and Mendes, Lang, Dobbin, Sibley. There's a young lad from Norwich, isn't there? Is it Spring It? Spring It from from there. Um, yeah, White's come in from Tottenham online yeah. in January. Um, I think Knight's played in those more advanced roles as well. He's quite versatile. So, yeah, they kind of rotate those those forward positions, the the rest of it behind is quite quite settled, isn't it? Um, Hurahane, Max Bird, Cashin, who looks like, like a player him. set for a very big future, set young centre half, Forsyth, their captain, who's who's I think just had three hundred appearances and has been there for for a long, long time. Wild Smith, who's been a bit of a penalty saving expert, as you mentioned, saved that penalty from Caden Jackson uh, in the reverse fixture. Um, Smith and Roberts normally the fullback. So, um, yeah, despite Derby's recent form, obviously a game away at Derby County is uh, is 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 going to be a tricky one for Ipswich. But there's no reason they can't go there full of confidence. There's no, yeah, absolutely. They'll, they'll be they'll be hugely full of confidence. We've obviously talked about whether the Barnsley game not taking place will disrupt momentum. I, that that doesn't concern me. I I, I think actually. Ipswich will go into this game still feeling the glow that has come off their winning run that that preceded it. I think they'll have an extra spring in their step after what's happened elsewhere in in League One and the opportunities that have opened up for them. So I'm not I'm not concerned about kind of a momentum lack, um, but it is just a game that that looks like a a concern on paper. But but so did Bolton and yeah. Town went there and were very impressive. Um, and even going to Tottenham in that little behind closed doors friendly and winning, coming from behind and winning three two, and Chaplin getting a hat trick, that that will do. You know, a man who scored however many braces he's got this season, even in a behind closed doors friendly, to go to Tottenham, and okay, it was probably a, a Tottenham team full of kids, but it still had Hugo Lloris played a big chunk of that game, and uh, Lucas Moura played, and people like that, so. Just that, that that's a little thing that's probably just kept the the feel good factor going behind the scenes. And if there's any manager that I would entrust to have a kind of a fortnight with the players off on the training ground and really make the most of it, it's Kieran McKenna and his coaches. I bet they've really relished cooking something up behind the scenes and really working on some just finding the time to breathe and look at these final nine games and really study opponents and not just cook up some things for Derby on Saturday, but have probably got some little game plans in mind for for teams coming up. And now when you're stuck in the kind of Saturday, Tuesday schedule, they probably don't quite have the time to to do that. I remember a couple of times we've spoken to McKenna after Saturday games and 
started to look ahead to Tuesday. Well, I've not I've not really been able to get my teeth into them yet. As soon as I get home tonight, I'll look back at their footage and go through that. But um, all eyes will have been on Derby, of course, but he'll, he'll have had a bit of space to to work on a few things, maybe a few different set piece routines, stuff like that. So, yeah, hopefully, um, you know, that this is where an international break comes into its own when you've got someone who's a specialist coach who really enjoys being on the grass and, and working with the players. What, what do you reckon about any kind of shifts to the team? Because mm. it's been a, been a couple of weeks, obviously, since a, since a game. It, it doesn't look to me, I think it's probably still the same the same one one question almost now isn't it in in terms of the Ipswich lineup who starts off front and it's I'll be honest it's not a question that I've I've got an answer to um I'll throw one more into the mix for you Andy I think it probably I would imagine it will be unchanged again and keep kind of riding riding that but if you go back to the reverse fixture against Derby earlier in the season Tyrese John Jules played as the central striker and the wide two was Jackson and Burns. And I think that was very specifically to counteract Derby in mind. We talked about the age of their players. We talked about some of their wide threats from Mendes, Lang and Barkhausen. It was the high press and pinning back their wide men was a big part of what Ipswich did that day. Um, The goal came from Wes Burns charging down Curtis Davis's back pass and um, Jackson obviously then goes around the goalkeeper and hit hit the post and Burns put in the rebound. Um, so the fact that Nathan Broadhead's been away with Wales and played a couple of games and there's a slight injury question mark against him and rattling out games, I'd just throw that in as a as a potential because Kieran clearly loves Caden Jackson and 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 thinks he's a man for certain occasions. I don't think it will happen, but it wouldn't completely shock me either if he if he thought that that, uh, that extra pace and a bit more width, because Broadhead does tend to sort of be a bit more narrow, um, might be seen as suited to this game. We'll see. There's a logic there. There's de- like if you're talk if you're talking about com- combating a press and penning, trying to sort of defend the flanks and, and attack in the flanks as well, they Lots of like it's been spoken about plenty of times that that Nathan Broadhead is learning that that's very much something he is having to learn um, and be taught by McKenna and and um, and by his teammates too. Um, yeah, I think I'd be surprised if it happened, but I, I'd not thought about that, and that um, makes a makes a lot of sense. Um, you also then on the flip, yeah, and then on the, the flip side of it, of course, is that Nathan Broadhead's just had such a, a big impact, and he's such his X factor, I think, and his just quality at this level maybe overrides trying to do anything particularly clever from a tactical point of view. He's a he's a player in form. He's a player who's going to be feeling ten foot tall after scoring for Wales on his debut and getting his first taste of international football. I think all of that kind of overrides any kind of idea that you're going to try and do something a little bit different and a little bit clever. But I thought it was a a discussion point anyway. I enjoyed it, mate. And I can see there's definitely a logic in it. Um, Caden Caden Jackson doesn't let Kieran McKenna down when he plays in those roles. Um, So it wouldn't be a surprise. And look, these players are all going to have their role to play in these nine games, aren't they? There's not... 
I think we've seen a kind of an 18 kind of emerge for, for town of late. And I think that each of them is going to have their, have a game, have a moment where they need to deliver. So um, why not? Why not this one? Right. Um, let's end with a, let's end with some predictions. We've talked about town wanting to go and win this. We've talked about how, how everything's played out in League One over the last few days, perhaps meaning that a draw is much, much, much more stomachable than than maybe on, on other occasions. So what are you what are you thinking, Stu? Well, I had the unenviable task of trying to predict the final nine games for Ipswich, which is difficult when you start getting beyond two, three games down the track because you don't know what's coming. I couldn't quite bring... I tried to be pragmatic and realistic about it. This was before these recent results, but even then I was kind of realistic enough to think they're not going to probably win all nine and they're not going to go unbeaten. And I think there might be a defeat along the way. I don't think that defeat will come this weekend, but I think it might be a draw. Um, And as I said earlier in in our chat, I, I think I'd be slightly... Of course, you'd be disappointed not to win, but I think ultimately I'll, I'll be okay with that, given the results of, of recent. To go to Derby and get a draw, um, I've got it down for a one-one. What are you thinking? I think I'm thinking Ipswich will score twice, and I can't decide whether that that should, given Town's defensive record, mean a win. I, I think they might win. I think they're going to win two-one. Is my is my my feeling? I think this. The, I think the 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 game. Those games with Peterborough and Barnsley down the track are the ones that those back to back that they worry me as the sticky games maybe even mm. more than the even more than this one. Um, but I'm I'm feeling very positive, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ride that. Good. And, 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 uh, Good. And, it feels only right. right that we finish this on a bit of a positive note. I am um, I'm pleased. That's why I went first because I was hoping you'd you'd follow it up with the with a positive prediction. What the the podcast should definitely end with is is some shout outs for our sponsors because I forgot them at the mi- beginning. A shout out to Manscaped. Thank you for re upping, um, and thank you for potentially sending some improved nasal health and to me and sorting out Stu's ears, um, which I wasn't going to say anything, mate, but they are looking they're looking a bit ropey. So if you could, <laughs> if you could, if you could address those when that arrives arrives in the post that would be great i do have to sit to your to your side quite regularly and it's it's not a site i've enjoyed so if you could if you could get that sorted on the old what the temp what are they called the the tumbers i've, I've immediately forgotten you're not an ear doctor are you it ent ear anatomy tragus sort your tragus out mate that's all i'm all i'm saying to you Address your Tragus. You're of an age now where this stuff needs to be sorted. And an even bigger shout out to Ginger Pickle, our loyal sponsors, Tony Southgate, um, digital marketing specialists will sort you out um, even better than a manscaped manscaper will sort out your, your Tragus. So um, get yourself some Ginger Pickle in your life. That's it from us today. Thank you for joining us. And um, we'll be back at some point in the future, hopefully talking about some more big points for Ipswich Town. 